My name's Steve. I want to welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning. This is a great decision you've made to be here today. Uh, I am especially excited today because uh, our family is here, and we're going to have a baby dedication a little later on in the service. And so if I seem a little unusually enthusiastic or something or distracted, that's because uh, a lot of people I dearly love are here today. And you're here today, and I dearly love you as well. Uh, in your worship folder, there is this card, and we're going to ask you to fill that out during the service. At the end of the service, we're going to collect it. It's really our way of knowing how we're doing. It's our communication card, and we would really like to know what blesses you, what we could do better. And so during the service, be thinking about this card, fill it out, and if you'll put it in the offering at the end of the service, we appreciate that. How many of you have your mind turned on? Yeah? Uh, I'm going to check it out here. You need to think carefully, but there some uh, journalists put this together. These are headlines that were really in newspapers, but uh, they have a double meaning. And the first one goes like this, National Hunting Group Targeting Women. That one's pretty easy to understand, but uh, this one's a little tougher. High Court to Hear Marijuana Case. High Court to Hear Marijuana. There you go. Thank you. Um, Legislators tax brains to cut deficit. Uh, they wouldn't get much tax out of my brain, but anyhow. Uh, preventive health services for women being cut in half. Uh, one more. Doctors help torch victim. Or doctor, anyhow. That's enough. Uh, play the drum or something, get him off. We want you to uh, really feel welcome today. And one way we do that is for you to get acquainted with your neighbors. So if you'll turn to two or three neighbors... And just say hi and welcome them. We'll continue. Thanks. I want to say hi to our Santa Clarita friends. We've got a number of folks uh, here from Santa Clarita that uh, cycle with me or I cycle with them, as the case may be. And it's great to see each one of you here at Worship at First Baptist. Um, For all of you, in your worship folder, there's a little half sheet like this. And I'd like to direct your attention to that because that's kind of the road map where we're going. And I want to encourage you to look at that. You may want to fill in the blanks. Um, how many of you are moms? Okay, I'm, I'm not. I'm raising my hand symbolically, you know, just to encourage you. Uh, if you're a mom of a small child, I read some great advice recently, and it's very low-cost advice. In fact, you'd never believe it, but it's on the aspirin bottle. How many of you, uh, you know, you have an aspirin bottle? Yeah? Go home and read it, because here's the deal. Uh, for moms who are tense or have headaches, any moms like that? You sometimes are tense, you sometimes have headaches. Just Is Robbie the only one? No, I don't believe that. Okay, here's what it says. Do what it says on the aspirin bottle. It says on the aspirin bottle, quote, take two aspirins. And then secondly, it says, quote, keep away from children. <laughs> I think that'll help. Um, in your, on this little sheet I gave you, it says, uh, when you think about your life, are you more like, and then it's got several categories, and I'd like you to look over that if you would, and are you more like, and check off which one, and do it physically if you will, uh, if you don't, if you're not willing to pull out a pencil there or a pen and check it off, then do it at least mentally, but are you more like, are you more like vinegar or honey? Be honest with yourself, you know. Are you more like a hurricane or a gentle rain? Just You're just evaluating yourself, not your spouse, not your friend. 
Are you more like hurricane or gentle rain? Are you more like a fox or a poodle? Are you more like an easy chair or the rack? Now, somebody that was looking over this, she said to me, what's a rack? What, what is a rack? I'm not talking about a rack where you hang clothes. Torture, yeah, it's, it's not fun. You know, are you more like a rack or are you more like an easy chair? Are you more like a nurse or a sergeant? A cool drink or castor oil? Are you more like uh, a pat on the back? Well, let's skip this one. Anyhow, what I want to talk to you about today is I would like to challenge you to reflect on the impact of your life. So I'll say to myself, Steve, what is the impact of your life? And I'll, I don't want you to say, Steve, what is the impact of your life? I want you to ask yourself, what's the impact of your life? Now, I know there are some of you here that think like this, and you think like, uh, my life doesn't really have any impact. And that's simply not true. Every interaction you have in life has an impact on the person with whom you're interacting and on yourself. Let me illustrate that. If you took a grain of sand and dropped it in a swimming pool, you'd say it doesn't matter, right? I mean, one grain of sand in a swimming pool? What difference does that make? Well, if you kept doing that repetitively for a long time, what happened? Soon you'd have no more swimming pool, you'd have a pile of sand, just because you put one grain, one after another, in that pool. And your life is like that. Daily you have hundreds of interactions that amount up in a week and a month to thousands of interactions, and each one of them is very significant in your life, like the grain of sand in the pool. And it does make a difference. Not only are you giving in those interactions, but you are receiving. And so I want to ask you again this morning, what is the impact of your life? And will you think about it for a moment? Now, another way to ask this question is, when someone leaves you, you've interacted with somebody, maybe a clerk, maybe a friend, maybe here at church, when you've interacted with somebody, when you leave, is their heart warmed or something else? What kind of impact do you have on people? And this morning, the sermon title really summarizes what I hope is a seed planted in your brain that you think about this week. And the question is, your life, is it a barrier or is it a bridge? Now, here at First Baptist, we have a theme. And uh, <clears throat> our theme for 2006 is become a bridge. And if you have this, this is an interactive service. You need to find your bulletin now. And open it up and page inside cover. Uh, bottom of the page, it says, uh, become a bridge. You see that? That's our theme for this year. And I'd like you to read our theme verse because we really are praying that we as individuals and as a church might be a bridge across whom, which others cross to find Christ. And you've, you've heard a wonderful story today of how God used someone as a bridge to help a real need. Now, let's read that theme verse. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. That's our theme verse in becoming a bridge. But actually this theme works in a variety of ways, and so I want to ask you again to think with me for a moment today about what impact your life has on the people who you know. Now we're studying from 1 Corinthians, that's where this verse comes from. And there's, we're right in the heart of the book, and Paul actually has a theme going on here. And if we were in a Bible study, we would take a lot of time to read verses and to explain this. I'm going to do it very quickly. But in chapter 7, Paul's writing, and uh, have you ever been in a room and you're listening to somebody on the phone? 
and you're trying to figure out what they're really talking about. You can hear one conversation but not the other, and so you have to guess at the other person's conversation. That's what it's like for Paul, or that's what it's like for us, because Paul is obviously answering some questions the church in Corinth wrote to him about. They asked him questions about, uh, you know, how do we do this? What about this, Paul? What about that? And Paul's responding with some answers, but we don't have the opportunity to know the questions the Corinthian church actually asks. So we're just reading Paul's answers. We get about half the conversation. But in chapter 7, Paul is writing primarily about singleness and marriage and freedom to be married or freedom to be single. And that key word is freedom. In chapter 8, the key word there is food. And obviously they were writing to him about, you know, what can we eat, what can't we eat, what's the appropriate food for Christians. I know it sounds odd, but that's what's there. And he's talking about the freedom they have regarding food. Now in chapter 9, the word freedom and rights continues to be used, only Paul is talking about himself. And it's apparent that there were people, and this is kind of hard for those of us who have read about Paul to imagine, but people who criticized Paul and said, Paul, you're not a real apostle, you're a phony. I had a guy one day who was very upset at me. He said, you're not a real preacher. He was, he was quite angry. He was losing his job. Uh, he said, you're not a real preacher, you're a phony. Now, thank God that's only happened a few times to me, but Paul had very powerful people who said, you're not a real apostle, Paul. You don't belong there. And so as he begins chapter 9, Paul begins with a rhetorical question, am I not free? And this word freedom and the word rights keeps coming up here. And this morning, I want to... Uh, to talk about that question about our freedom and our rights and about this idea of, is your life a barrier or a bridge? Now, when Paul was asked, are you not free, what's the obvious answer? Yes, you're free, Paul. You're free to do what you want. And that's an interesting uh, phrase for us to think about in our 21st century. Does it sound familiar? Have you ever thought to yourself, I'll do what, how does it go? Whatever I want. You know that one. Uh, not that you would have thought that. Or you've, have you ever thought, uh, some people would say, not you of course, but it's my life, what? I'll live it as I please. Or you might say, don't tell me what to. You know, who do you think you are? And probably you haven't said this one in a long time because you're not a child anymore. But somebody tells you to do something and you say, you can't make me do it. And all of those are ways in which we assert our rights or our freedoms. And I want to talk to you about your freedom a little bit today. Now, first of all, I'm not going to get into this, but you and I are not nearly as free as we think we are. But we do have certain rights and certain freedoms. And they're very important to us, as they should be. Now, I want you to think about that because that's exactly the issue Paul is talking about in his own life. And as he illustrates how he wrestled with this, there are some principles that come out that help us as we live our lives. So this morning, I want to actually ask you, and I'm going to tell you in advance, I want to ask you to consider giving up some of your rights and freedoms for a higher calling. And you'll see what I understand, uh, what I mean in a minute. Now, think with me, again, about what is the impact of your life. Now, truth be told, sometimes our lives have a negative impact. Would you agree with me about that? I mean, I know mine has sometimes had a negative impact. You could talk to my kids about that probably. We all know that. So that brings me to the first point, which is this. Your life is a barrier when you are self-centered. 
Your life is a barrier when you are self-centered. Now, there are many ways we could talk about barriers, and so we're going to have to be kind of uh, short and brief today. But your life is a barrier when you're self-centered. Paul begins chapter 9 by saying, Am I not free? And a little later he says, Do we, meaning apostles, not have the right? Don't I have some freedoms? Don't I have some rights? And the answer is yes, absolutely you do. No argument. Now, Paul's expressing uh, his rights as an apostle, and he, he gives several examples. I'll only give you two. But Paul uses as an illustration, he says this, if you are a uh, soldier and you're going to go off to war, do you have the right for the government to pay you to be a soldier? In other words, is it right for a soldier to say, please pay me? What's the answer? Yes, it's right. Nobody says, I mean, a lot of men and women have volunteered to go to Iraq, but nobody has said, you know, I'm going to Iraq and I'm paying my own way. That doesn't happen. Because they expect us to pay their salary. The second illustration he gives that I'll use is he said, if you own a vineyard and you raise grapes, who has the right to eat those grapes? The vine dresser. That's obvious. And so Paul says, in my situation, Corinthians, I have the right as an apostle to be supported by you. I have brought you into the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. I have taught you right from wrong. I have showed you the best possible way to live. Don't I have the right to expect help from you? And the answer is yes. But Paul says later, I'm going to give up those rights so that there not be a barrier put up and you fail to believe the gospel. Now, as we think about rights, there are two barriers to... uh, that we oftentimes put up. And if you want to fill in the blank, here's the, here's the number one and number two. Two barrier builders are, number one, your freedoms, where we say, you know, I have my freedom, or number two, I have my rights, and those become a barrier. Paul said this in verse 12 of chapter 9. He's writing again about his ability to be an apostle. If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we all the more? But we did not use this gift. On the contrary, we did not put anything... uh, Let me read that again. On the contrary, we put up with everything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul says, I had some rights. I chose not to use them. I didn't want there to be a hindrance to your belief. That's pretty clear. And the question I would have for you, as you think about your life making an impact... Do you put things in the way of your life being an impact? In other words, do you bring up barriers? For example, you're checking out of a a line at a store, and you're grouchy because of the long wait, and so that you're not going to be having a good impact on the person waiting upon you because you're going to complain to them, which becomes a barrier, and they don't feel good about you. Are you you with me on this? I'm I'm not sure if I'm coming across here. Uh, There are ways in which all of us give up our rights to become... Uh, a blessing. When you think about your freedoms, for example, um, <clears throat> how many of you this week either got up and went to school or you got up and went to work? Okay, it's a lot of us. Now, we gave up our freedom to sleep in or our freedom to go to the beach. Why? To go to work and get a paycheck or to go to school and get an education. You see, we made a choice because there was a higher value there we gave up a certain freedom because we wanted what giving that up would mean. How many of you ran through a stoplight this week, red light? You just said, I'm, I'm free to do this. I'm going to blow on through there. 
I don't see any hands. Good. Now, you have the freedom to run any red light you want. Why don't you? Well, you want to obey the law. You don't want to get killed in a car accident. You don't want to kill somebody else in a car accident. And so you give up certain freedoms in order to obey the law. How many of you had, uh, oh, a dozen donuts every day this week? That'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, Krispy Kremes? Oh, morning, noon, and night? Why wouldn't we do that? They taste so good with a cup of coffee. Well, we have the freedom to do that, but there are other values we have, and we say, you know, if I, if I do that, I'm going to have a problem here. And so we give up that freedom to eat 12 donuts a day. You're with me, right? Now, as we think about that, I'm challenging you, if you want your life to have an impact for God, there are certain freedoms or rights you're going to give up in order that you may have the best possible impact. That's all I'm trying to say today. And to press home, is your life a barrier or is your life a bridge across which others may cross to find Christ? Now, a couple more examples of this uh, idea of giving up for a greater issue. Um, I got permission to use this illustration, so I'm going to use it. One of the people here is George. He's a retired naval officer, and he knows a lot about nuclear submarines. That's Olivia's grandpa. Now, George has the right to put on his, uh, what do you call them, George, your fancy uniform, dress blues or dress clothes, dress whatever that is. You know, he has the right to put that on and sit Olivia down in her little high chair and tell her about nuclear submarines in his best military voice. And he could do that all week long, right? He has that right. But I checked out with Sue, and George hasn't done that. In fact, he's been talking like a baby all week. Now, why would a retired military guy get down on his hands and knees and talk and act like a baby? One reason and one reason only, to build a bridge. To communicate love to Olivia. To say, hey, I'm your grandpa, and you're special in my sight, and I'm going to bless your life. And so he gives up his right to act like an adult and act like a baby in order to build a bridge to her so that they can have this loving grandpa-granddaughter relationship. And that's an example. And all of us do this in certain ways. I want to challenge you to do it all the time in lots of ways. Another example. Um, I was talking to a couple that are getting married, and we were in the Ephesians 5 passage, Ephesians 5.21. You men all know that verse, right? Women, do you know it? Oh, this is sad. Wives, what? Submit to your husbands. And every couple I marry, I make them read that verse and they sweat and say, what does that mean? And so we talked about submission. Now, here's the reality. When you get married, and I said to this couple, I've said it a bunch of times, I said, you're both giving up something. What are they giving up? They're giving up singleness. There's going to be somebody else in the bed, somebody else in the house, somebody else in the car, and you just can't go off and do what you want anymore. So if you really value your freedom as a single person, you better not get married. Because you're going to lose it. Furthermore, if you want to get married and say, well, I have the right, it's my freedom, oh no, you're not going to be married long. Because submission is a key issue for husbands and wives as they marry and they begin to value each other. And in fact, sometimes we get all trapped in there. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Somebody decide what we're going to do here. You know what I mean. And so again, we give up our freedoms for a higher cause. Now, I have the freedom to go get drunk on Colorado Boulevard Friday nights, 
and come over here and greet the AA people. Let's say I did that every week. Now, I have that freedom, right? Would that be a barrier for them coming to Christ? Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Kind of a silly example. But how many times do we do things in our lives that become barriers and people can't see through that barrier to find God? It happens all the time. I could give you several examples from this week of people that I talked to about Jesus Christ and they said, you know, my relatives are good Christians and here's what they did and that just doesn't seem right. And I couldn't get beyond that barrier as I talked to them about a relationship with Jesus. Now, my friends, um, one last example. Nate and I were talking last night and he reminded me of a family we knew years ago who came from a disastrous background. This husband and wife met the Lord became very active Christians, and they're still great Christians. But as they raised their children, this woman who grew up in one of the most violent and abusive homes I've ever heard about, she would was a great person at church, taught Sunday school, and truly ministered to a lot of people. But you know what? She came home and she would get so angry at one of her children, she would hit him with her fist, physically beat him. Now, it's no wonder this young man has grown up with some of his troubles. What did he see? Well, he saw this dichotomy you can't put together. This person at church who was one thing and a person at home who was quite something else. And he couldn't figure it out because she, in some ways, was a barrier then to his coming to Christ. And this morning, I want to encourage you to think about your life. Are you a barrier or a bridge? Let's go to the, to the last point. Your life is a bridge when you are gospel-centered. And I want to put some scriptures up here. Your life is a bridge when you're gospel-centered. Would you read this with me? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put up an obstacle in the way of the gospel. Now, leave that up there a minute. See that word obstacle? Uh, We've all seen this. When you're going down a road and they need to put in a pipe or something, they cut up the pavement, right? And if they don't put steel over it, you can't drive across because the pavement's been cut up. Now, that's exactly what this word means. It has to do with the idea of making a cut in the road. And I was thinking, as people are on their way to God, how many times have I been an obstacle to them finding God? Sometimes people ask me, all the time, in fact, it happens, what do you think about this? And they'll ask me about some hot political topic or something, and I realize, you know, if I tell them what I really think, and if you know me, you know I have an opinion, uh, if I tell them really what I think, That may be a barrier to me being able to talk to them about Jesus because they just won't listen to me anymore if they don't like the answer. And so sometimes I'll just be very evasive because I don't want to get tied down in some discussion when the real discussion is going to be about their relationship with God. I don't want to be an obstacle. I don't want my behavior to be an obstacle to their finding God. So let's let's read the next verse. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. That's our theme for this year. And uh, I hope that as you go away today, you ask yourself about your life. What is, my, what is the impact of my life? And is my life putting up barriers to people finding God or people being blessed by me? Or is it a bridge across which they cross to find God? Uh, this past week, Tim and I, Tim is a Fuller student who will graduate this fall and preparing for ministry, we were up visiting Sarah. Sarah Jimenez is a member of this church. She was born with spinal bifida, which means she's paralyzed from her waist down. She has no feeling. There are a lot of complications that come out of this. 
And uh, when she was born and her parents realized she had spinal bifida, they said, forget it, and they walked out. She was raised in foster care here in Los Angeles. She's a graduate of USC. And uh, she's had some medical problems recently. And so since about Christmas, she's been up at a care facility on Fair Oaks called Camellia Gardens. Now, many of you have gone by to see her, keep doing that. As you go to see Sarah, she now can get out of bed for two hours a day. The rest of the day, she's in bed. And that's just been increased. It was only 30 minutes initially. And yet, when you go and see Sarah and walk out of there, you say, wow, I am blessed. And Tim, would you come up and share with us, uh, Sarah, we were up there this week, and Sarah told us a story, and I want Tim to share it with you. It has to do with being a bridge. The invitation to visit Sarah, like, like Pastor Steve said, is open to all of you. And, and I was fortunate enough to be able to accept that invitation, and I've done so several times. And recently when I went in and visited Sarah, she told me about a nurse of hers who has been treating her. And she said she had been feeling this sense when this nurse would come and work with her to, set, to ask the question, Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? And she was shy about asking the question. And recently when he came in to work with her, she, he, he had told her that he was planning a trip to Mexico to visit some family. And she said, well, God bless you on your trip to Mexico. And he received it well. And again, the, the thought came to her, I need to ask, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? And so she did. And he said, no, I don't. She followed up to say, well, would you like to? And he said, yes. <laughs> And so they started a conversation. Well, this gentleman got called away, and so they weren't able to finish the conversation. And, and in the meantime, I came in for a visit, and Sarah asked me to pray with her about this. So we prayed, and, and we kept it in prayer. And a, a day or so later, she gave me a call and said, Tim, guess what? He came back in, and we talked, and we spoke some more. And this gentleman, at the end of our discussion, knelt at the side of my bed and prayed that Jesus would become his Lord and accepted Jesus Christ that day. She was a faithful witness of the gospel. Amen. Thank you, Tim. One last word. Uh, this is a PS, sort of a postscript. Um, if you are willing to say to God, God, I want to be a bridge, bridge person, I want you to use me. God will use you. I have that, no doubt about that. And this is the postscript. You're going to find that uh, God's going to use you in serendipitous ways. You're going to be a serendipity. Expect serendipity. The word serendipity means surprise. Something's going to happen that you didn't expect, you didn't plan. It's just going to pop up. And I asked Bridget to share her story because uh, when this happened, I said, Aha, Bridget didn't plan that. She couldn't have planned it. It's just something that popped up in her life. Why? Because she was sensitive to God and said, God, I want to be a bridge. And when the opportunity came up, she was a bridge. And that's, that's what I want to say to you. If you're willing to say, yes, God, I want my life to have an impact. I'm willing to be a bridge. Then watch out because God will use you in ways you cannot even imagine right now. And I have no doubt about that and every confidence in it. So thanks for reflecting with me. And I want to leave you with that uh, sheet that you have in front of you, the, the handout. On the bottom, there's a reflection part. And I'd like you to look at that and, and just go through that list and think to yourself,
Am I a bridge in this situation? Am I a barrier in this situation? How is God going to be able to use me? And so if you'll take a moment to reflect, are you a barrier or are you a bridge? Thank you.